1: it's around the house those weber kettles number one they're the number one selling barbecue in the world mm-hmm. they have been forever yeah. if you start by using a weber kettle you're probably gonna uh, you know adapt your skills faster or learn your skills faster than you are on a 199 gas grill mm-hmm. because you have to pay more attention with charcoal yeah if you very simple, easy mistakes that people make. You know, they put in too much briquettes or they lump, whatever they're using. Gets too hot. They let it burn down a little bit. Then they think, okay, it's good. It's still hotter than hell in there. You know, uh, and they think, well, now I can do this whole chicken or whatever. Maybe they have spatchcocked it or some. A lot of times you end up with one side that's pretty much crispy. Yeah, and the other side that's still clucking. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home,
0: there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through education and information, and a heck of a lot of fun like today. We've got Jeff Tracy here in the studio. JT, the cowboy cook from Barbecue Nation, grown at the green and uh, you might have even seen him on a milk carton out there sometime in your life. Welcome back to Around the House my friend. Hey, good morning. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh it, we're starting out that way already today, my friend. This is how it's gonna go. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's gonna just go from here right in the swirling water down. Yeah. Done. Exactly. But it's Friday it's Friday,
0: yeah. Saint Patrick's Day, happy Saint Patrick's Absolutely. Day. Absolutely. It uh, it is a it is a day that even the Catholics can have some meat today, I see, on the twos. So yeah. yeah. They, they, they finally got the cinder block off their, <laughs> their forehead from a couple weeks ago it's all good it's so, all good yeah. so today i wanted to talk you know it's we're coming into spring you know we got the daylight back a little bit in the evenings and uh it is for the amateurs barbecue season for you and i every day is barbecue season but uh yeah yeah for it, many people they start going hey let's let's dust that grill off and and uh start getting going on stuff and I thought, what not a great time to bring you in and and have a chat about, you know, good habits of barbecue and and for all the amateurs out there and even the experienced stuff, there's always something from these that uh oh that, yeah. that people can take away with. And you know, I've noticed we'll start at the basics here. I've noticed that if I go up to my local grocery store, and I'm not gonna hammer on any names, but we'll say it's the chain grocery store, and I grab a a T-bone off the off the rack and take it mm-hmm. home, and I go, man. That was not amazing, even though I get a decent grill. What's the what's the secret of of barbecue there when you're talking about things like meat? Well, you have
1: first of all, you have to uh, ascertain if it's uh, Brontosaurus (laughs) or if it's actually Angus. Okay. fair point. Because because some of the chains don't mm-hmm. quite use the grade uh, choice or prime, sure. you know, you know, they and they think because it does that, it's ready to go. Uh, it's not it's uh, you want to check those labels, uh, check the marbling mm-hmm. um, kind of, you know, you can it's easier to check the marbling if you're actually buying it out of the case where the butcher has to reach in, grab it and show it to there we you. Go. the stuff that's free packaged you can't always see the marbling and there's little tricks to that, that if it's getting a little age on it, they can trim it a little more. And that, that kind of grayish Brown goes away. There's nothing wrong with that, but it, that will go away and look bright red again and all pretty. And everybody's Mm -hmm. good. And then you cook it and, um, it, it tastes like a used waffle iron,
0: not the waffle,
1: the iron part, you know, it's just not good. good. So, um, You know, check the marble and check the meat. Make sure you look on the. Uh, on the package, if you're buying pre-packaged stuff and it, and it says choice or prime, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't want select or you don't want uh, utility grade. You don't want prison <laughs> yeah, food, not, you know, you want for human you,
0: consumption, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. The dog walks by and goes, nah, I'm good. Uh, you, you, uh, uh institutional you, use you, only stamp. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, So check those things. Also, you know, check your grill. Uh, The the main thing, Eric, is if you haven't fired up your grill, (coughs) excuse me, all winter, (laughs) you should just take it for a test run. Don't even cook anything on it. Just fire it up. Maybe you got a few um, fuzzies, you know,
0: undetermined.
1: <laughs> yeah, undetermined biologics on there. <laughs> so you you uh, burn those off, clean it off really well. But make sure, like, if it's a gas grill, mm-hmm. if it's got the same hot spots and cold spots as it did last year. If it's a charcoal grill, make sure the vents are cleaned and all that, so you get a nice flow. You can shut it down if you're going to do a, a you know a long term cook, so to mm-hmm. speak. If if it's just a, a, a grill and spill on the plate, then, you know, open her up and let her fly. Yeah. But I think that's a couple of things that are really important to people because everybody's gotten pretty savvy about it. They've got covers on their grills mm-hmm. or smokers or pellet grills, what have you like that. Uh, those pellets, if they sat in there all winter, um, they may be a little soggy. They may gum up your auger uh you don't really want that you know but you it's funny i've noticed
0: what's with some of these brands out there and i'm just gonna say this they build that whole you know basically they build the place where you're gonna put the pellets where it goes into the auger that hopper why do they put so many dang flat places in there so you can collect those things up why can't they just like make it a basic so it all goes in there you mean kind of like an old auger on a combine or something that's an
1: angular and all that that's a good question that's a good question because those things they sit
0: there all summer all winter and you got to cover on it and those yeah. things are just like one big sponge right yeah. by the time you know you're not yeah. stopping oh, moisture yeah. you're just stopping the rain from coming in the top but that thing's going to soak right. everything up and get a gummy mess yep you
1: got that and uh the the cookers that i know i'm not going to use over the winter i just burn them out yeah Uh, like the pellets, I just burn them out The charcoal. I, I burn that off, then let it cool maybe the next day, clean it all out. So it's ready to go. But I do this more than most normal people. Yeah. So, um, but you want to make sure those are clean and functioning. You want to make sure that you're, you know, if you've got an electronic component to it, like an, an auger Mm -hmm. in a pellet grill, um, if you've got a digitized because so much of it is digitized. Now, make sure all those little features are working uh, and then you can buy
0: a good piece of meat from Painted Hills Natural Beef. I might add, uh, but let's but talk you about want... them for a minute, man. And, and this is something that that I'm a meat snob. I'll be the first to say it, you know, for years, the yes. best stuff I was getting was going to Costco and grabbing it there and grabbing meat. That, that's good meat there. That's decent meat. And it's one place across the country. You can go in and get something decent there. Right. As right, far as a chain right. goes. But when you got me turned on to Painted Hills Natural Beef, and they're not paying me to say this. And actually, right now I don't even have any beef in the freezer, so I'm not even getting beef out of this. But I want to say that's I who I go the, to. I, I got the hint. No, no. <laughs> I got the hint. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, I'm not getting paid to say this. This is not an infomercial for them by any means. But what I'm saying is, yeah. is that is the meat. And there's just no question. Yeah. I'm a tri-tip guy, as you know, and uh, I'll be the first to say that's just my favorite. Yeah. My favorite Mm -hmm. kind of meat that I like throwing on there's a lot of the things I would much rather cook a tri-tip than do a brisket because to me, it just tastes better. And that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And it
1: doesn't take as long. I mean, you can do a tri-tip in
0: an hour, Mm -hmm. hour and a
1: half, depending on the size that's it been trimmed to. Brisket, you're going to be a bit longer than yeah. that by, you know, the sundial is going to go the other direction by the end of the day when you're done with a with a brisket. But, uh, yeah, the I think the tri-tip is very good. And how about this? Um, they've never done this before, by the way. My friends at Painted Hills. And, again, this is not an infomercial. I'm just sharing information with yeah. you. My friends at Painted Hills have made a special uh, discount. Program Ooh. for my listeners and now your listeners, mm-hmm. when you go to their online store, because they just revamped their online store. Yeah, it looks good. All right? And you can get T-bones and ribeyes and New York's and burgers brisket? and all that yeah. stuff. You can get a brisket there. Uh, but you type in BBQ Nation, mm-hmm. just the letters, BBQ Nation, and it'll take uh,
0: 15% off. At the checkout, it's just a per- pretty big hit. Yeah, and here's the cool yeah. thing: is you're cutting the middleman out of it. Sorry, grocery stores. You know what I mean? You're yeah, buying from the yeah. you're buying from the place where the cows came from. You're not, you know, you're not you're not dealing with the 22 <laughs> people that went between point A and point B.
1: Yeah, the ones that always say they're not making any money.
0: Sure, uh, if you, you want know. to believe that. But no, that's a. <laughs>
1: We've been around. I know Uh, (laughs) it's it's really a cool thing, though, that they did that. So I would invite people to go online to and I know you're going to post some links and stuff uh, to uh, for Painted Hills to their online store. Pick something, you know, apply the discount code. Eric's going to show that to you again on the on the postings, but it's BBQ Nation and enjoy it. Yeah. I, I've, I've eaten beef all over the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have, I've, I've been very fortunate to travel and do different things and I've eaten some very good beef and I've also eaten some beef. that's not too sharp, but, uh, and not just because I represent painted Hills. It's, I like their product a lot. No question. Uh, A lot. I know some people are like on the Wagyu bandwagon, if you like that, that's fine. Yeah. I I don't have a problem with it. It's not for me because the times I've eaten it, it just seems a little too f- fatty, mm-hmm. a little too much marbling for me. Yeah, you know. So I see my mic stands, and you want to see my beautiful oh, face here. Um, yeah, it's, it's so, and, and you will notice on the Painted Hills website they have Painted Hills Prime, Painted Hills Choice, and then they have grass fed. So you got three. Yeah uh three top tier choices to pick from
0: so let 's talk about that for a second, just on the on the beef side of things, yeah. because I know we've got a lot of listeners right now going, all right what's the difference? You know what i mean what's the difference between grass fed and and those two and and what what can you expect when you get one of those
1: when you are dealing with a prime or a choice um They've been finished out Mm -hmm. in the feedlot. They've been finished on grain. Their their meat is very marbled, not so heavily marbled that you can't taste the beef and all you taste is the fat. That's not the deal. It's very balanced like that. And like I said, that's in prime and choice. Grass fed is not finished out in a feedlot. They are in a lot, but they only get like a hay based feed. Yeah every day like that. So they don't have the same degree of marbling. Mm-hmm. They still uh, and so they won't grade out at prime. Yeah. It's it's kind of hard to get a, a grass-fed prime. Yeah. Because they'd have to feed that cow till there or that steer till he's, you know, like me, uh, can't walk by the water. Greenpeace is trying to push him yeah. in. So it <laughs> they, would ju- they would just be too big and they're not uh we could go on for an hour about what happens when they're in the lot and the daily amount that go through the process, yep. and that, that there's actually steers that weigh too much. Absolutely, we had that during the COVID thing mm-hmm. because they couldn't process as many as they needed, so those steers kept going to the back of the line mm-hmm. and going through the process again. Finally, you know, they some of them were two or three months past when their projected harvest date. Yep like that so they were bigger steers that actually presents some logistics problems yeah. sometimes they have to get so many uh most of the meat comes to your grocery store now in a box Yep, they're they're pre-cut they're kind of rough cut and so they will get like a primal the the uh rib roast mm-hmm. as we call it prime rib all right yep. and <clears throat> they'll get four of those bone in and five of those without bones mm-hmm. in a box. All right. But if you get some steer that weighs fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred pounds yeah. versus one that's down around eleven fifty, twelve thirteen, that extra weight, then it's there's not enough room in the box. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? It presents so, a
0: whole bunch of side issues.
1: Yeah. So that's why they tried to keep everything pretty flowing, pretty uh, smoothly and rapidly and get it through like that. So but the the big difference in the prime choice and grass fed is just the way they're finished. Uh, The grading between prime and choice can be. Just a
0: fine line, you know. Yeah. Um, And then my cattle that I had were kind of like the Easter days. They just kept coming around and around and nobody knew where they were and they didn't exist. But that's a whole other joke. Out of the yeah, Western, yeah, yeah. West Coast people that uh, <laughs> look it up on Google.
1: True, true, true. The, the vanishing herd. Exactly. So <laughs> <Yeah. that> is-
0: <laughs> We've heard of ghost guns, ghost it, fleets, and there's ghost it, cattle. <laughs> there's
1: ghost cattle. They got really good at that in Wyoming and Montana about 100 years ago. So, you know, the, 120 years ago, they were they knew how to make that work it it shows that
0: those old tricks still work today
1: oh yeah now you just have to move them in the semi and not on a cattle drive you know they're (laughs) still moving though they're still moving they're still moving rolling
0: Rolling, rolling, (laughs) (laughs) um so question about the grass the the grass-fed stuff is is that going to taste any more you know gamey or grassy compared to what you'd see something that was grain finished
1: no not really okay Um, not in the Painted Hills products. I can't speak to everybody's grass-fed programs. It's not gonna have the as deep of of a rich flavor as the choice or prime, but it's still gonna be very good. It's just not gonna have that that bit of marbling in it. It has some marbling in it, it's not like eating a buffalo, all right. Exactly. It's just it's but it's limited compared to the other two uh. Classification. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, if I walk into a yeah. grocery store, I see this certified
1: Angus. Is that just a marketing thing? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean, it does. It is a piece of Angus sure. there, but they they. It's not a grade, right? No, it's just a statement, yeah. more or less. You know, they're telling you that this came from an Angus steer. Mm-hmm. It did. Okay, that's that's where it stops. Yeah. It you can know, still be not, choice, right? Yeah, it'll say it should say on any any label um, if it is, you know, certified choice, certified prime, certified select. I mean, they used to do one big chain used to have, you know, their name, insert the word select behind it. And nobody knew what that meant 20 years ago, (laughs) except people in the ag world you know now they figured it out mm-hmm. and and a lot of the stores don't sell it anymore yeah. they they that goes off to that's hamburger some secondary <laughs> markets yeah yeah
0: yeah exactly
1: that, that shows up um, in the sale
0: hamburger on uh on friday afternoon right
1: yeah it's in the bin way down there by the kumquats yeah. you know
0: it's, it's just way down yeah, there that's, so the, that's the that's the that's they don't even price. check it yeah yeah. Well, yeah, and that makes sense and that makes sense. But that's where I tell you what. It's it's one of the lessons I've learned in in cooking is the quality of the product directly relates to the end product that ends up on your table. There is there yep. is no yep. shortcutting that. There is I mean you could find a great sale or a great buy like 15% off, but you're still you get what you pay for.
1: That's what I was going to say, bud, was you get in, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. You c- you cannot take a select, even if it's a select filet. Yeah. And yes, there is such a thing. Um, but that will not taste anywhere near like a choice or a prime filet. Yeah. Okay. Or actually America's favorite is kind of the ribeye. Yeah. And. Um, I love a, a lot of. A lot of. Pr- yeah. A lot of professional chefs now have gotten on this kick. Like we don't like fillets. They're, they're kind of spongy and tasteless. So well, I think they're still a great piece of meat, yeah. but I do like ribeyes and I also like New Yorks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So,
0: you, you know, buy a T-bone, get the best of both worlds. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing. And so let's back up here and and talk to the rookie that's probably in another month, going to walk into their home center. And want to throw down a few hundred bucks on a barbecue because maybe they've got that old one out there that that one hundred ninety nine dollar charbroil that lasted the forty eight months and it's ready to go off to the landfill. You know what I mean? Well, you got to
1: You got to check with the raccoons first, because usually they have set up a a squatters deal in that type of barbecue. Yeah, because they got that big open
0: bottom and they just that's that's home, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they got a little balcony. (laughs) They got some, you know, sun and shade and all that stuff. So yeah, it's all gotta be careful those. Um, But
0: yeah, it's that's the problem is is and I think this is again it's it's like power tools to me, right? If you buy the right tool, it can last you a long time. And if you go out and buy that cheap tool and figure out, okay, I'm going to be barbecuing for twenty years, this is not a smart thing. Spending two hundred bucks every eighteen months to and throwing away a barbecue.
1: Right. My advice to people is number one, go to amazingribs.com and they review almost every barbecue that's on the market gas, pellet, charcoal, doesn't matter. All yeah. right. And every level from entry level to, you know, $15,000 units, yeah. they do that. They don't get paid for it. It's kind of like uh, consumer reports for barbecues. Nice. The other thing is you have to look at it. And I know money's tight right now because of everything else that's going on. But if you're going to go to a big box store and you're going to lay down $199.99 for uh, a stainless steel that's not put together very Mm -hmm. well. If you actually open it up and you look down in the box or you look through the lid, you can see sometimes in the corners gaps. You're a tool guy. You know, you're you know what I'm talking about. They you got leaks Swiss cheese, right? Swiss cheese. Yeah. So your your airflow, your heat flow is going to be all messed up. It's not that it's not going to work. It's just going to be messed up. It's going to take you longer or you're going to burn something up faster. Well, then if you get a
0: slight breeze, it completely screws up your cooking cycle because you're letting that in there. And all of a sudden the The breeze side is cold, and the front side is hot because or whichever way it's right. going because you've got right. a fifteen mile an hour wind outside that's killing your killing your cooking,
1: yeah, yeah, and you know there's there's all kinds of things you can do about that there's you know uh heat insulated uh blankets if you will that you can put over your grills, but who wants to do all that crap, yeah. you know if you're thinking one ninety nine think. Three ninety nine to four ninety nine. You're going to get a better quality grill. Um, it's going to last you not just one or two years. It can last you ten years, yeah. very easily, if you take care of yeah. it. Yeah uh, the the sheet metal is thicker, holds the heat better. There's no gaps in it. the um, The elements, for example, if it's gas, uh, you know, look at the elements. There's various uh sizes and shapes of the gas elements that come up the, where you see the flames yeah. all right so if you got one that's just got two elements down there and they look kind of tinny and crappy that's probably how it's going to end up tinny and crappy yeah. as far as the the gas flow they burn out easier so on and so forth i would go for a three element burner mm-hmm. minimum yep that way you can have a a hot side and a, or as we call it, a direct heat and indirect heat. Yep. It's easier to cook chicken and ribs and big pieces of beef that way, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All right. So those are some things you look for. Uh, make sure the regulators are good and solid, mm-hmm. you know, not something that was. Uh, you know, kind of made in the jungles of Botswana, and <laughs> yeah. in it, you know, and it's like you know, a couple of pieces of bamboo yeah. nailed together. So, you, you just quality, yeah. really, the word is quality, Eric. And you and I talk about this a lot, not only in barbecues, but in tools and kitchen tools. Uh, Chainsaws whatever And I think that's really important Yeah To look at that
0: Well great example I bought probably (laughs) Gee Seven or eight years ago I bought one of those Weber kettle cart ones You know what I mean That have the The -hmm. kettle It's the gold one That thing is Is as good a shape As it was The day I got it And I'll probably I will probably Get rid of it To make space For something else Before it wears out It will live another life For somebody else Because Again, it wasn't expensive, but man, if you're throwing burgers and dogs and a a steak or two on there, that thing works great.
1: Oh, yeah. Those Weber kettles, number one, they're the number one selling barbecue in the world. Mm -hmm. They have been forever. Um, If you start by using a Weber kettle, you're probably going to... You know, adapt your skills faster or learn your skills faster than you are on a one ninety nine gas grill because you have to pay more attention with charcoal. You you know, you just do Um, very simple, easy mistakes that people make. You know, they put in too much uh, briquettes Mm -hmm. or they lump whatever they're using gets too hot. They let it burn down a little bit. and Then they think, okay, it's good. It's still hotter than hell in mm-hmm. there. You know, uh, and they think, well, now I can do this whole chicken or whatever. Maybe they've spatchcocked it or something. A lot of times you end up with one side that's pretty much crispy. Yeah. And the other side that's still clucking. Yeah. All right. So that doesn't work out no. well. So using that, adjusting and controlling your airflow through the vents and stuff, all that with a Weber kettle is great education no
0: question yeah no question it made me a much better barbecuer with learning with that thing because you know i had gas grills and stuff for years and years and years and using that and figuring out that oh i need to crack this a little more close this up or vice versa that's really where you understand how the whole heat thing works and and it just makes any other barbecue use make even more sense because that's kind of the the more labor-intensive way to cook but it also tastes killer yeah yeah, no,
1: it's great. I think that I think that pretty much all great uh, hands, if you will, in the barbecue world mm-hmm. started with a Weber kettle or a cheap um, stick burner smoker, offset smoker like that. Yeah, you know? um, I I do have one, and I think I've said this before on your show, but it's been a while. I have one that I've had for over twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, stick burner. It was cheap at the time. Twenty years ago, I think I paid two hundred dollars. But that was a that was a bigger number. Yeah, that's those a six hundred dollar right? grill now, right? Yeah, right. And I still have that old bugger sitting out behind the shop. And I, you know, wheel her up to the deck once or twice a year. Now I pretty much cook like. Or smoked salmon fillets yeah. or stuff like that. I don't
0: yeah, know. and that's great. But they're yeah. great. Are you looking for a good night's sleep? I had a mattress from a box that was keeping me up all night long. I stopped in at Mattress Warehouse USA and they handmade me a new one that is getting me the best sleep of my life. Plus, if you need a custom size, they can handle that too. For handcrafted care at prices that are much less than the big mattress stores, head to mattresslw.com. Make sure and mention Eric G sent you for 10% off your purchase. Plus, they should anywhere in the US mattresslw.com sleep well yeah so yeah. what do you think about people out there trying to you know in the 70s everybody was using the the light you know the 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 fluid to light the briquettes and stuff like that and to me it always tastes like you used fluid to light your briquettes what's your thought on yeah. that with between that and the in the in the the quick start flame or you know what i mean there's a there's a briquette for everything out there it seems but these days, but Seems what's your th- thought?
1: The the for under thirty dollars, you can buy a chimney, yep. which is you pre light and ignite your charcoal lump or uh, briquette. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get it started. Once it's really cooking, you just pour it down on the rack where your charcoal goes. I am not in favor of any quick start stuff. Mm-hmm because you've got that residue and I don't care what you do, that residue is going to be there. Yep. You know, I do keep a couple of bottles of that Kingsford lighter fluid around, but that's usually for my burn pile or when I'm burning up weeds yeah. or something. You know, yeah, that's <laughs> for agricultural work. That's not for, yeah. that's not for cooking. That's not on. for food. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's the one so, thing I like with my Weber kettle is mine came with that little propane can start, uh-huh. which that's the easy yeah. button. I mean, turn the knob, hit the button, Uh, two minutes later, I walk away and it's got, it's basically, it's like a built-in chimney on that thing and it's, it's ready to go. I'll
1: tell you, I got something that, uh, um, you would like, I don't know if I've ever shown it to you, but it's called grill blazer. (laughs) It it looks like a Taurus nine millimeter Mm -hmm. with that, with an extended tube on the end and a little flamethrower thing out there. You use those little Coleman, cylinders full of propane but that's just like a gun and you start it and you can get some hot spots if you don't have a chimney you just stack them up and get them going with that thing and it works great also burns weeds really there you go but but uh you know there's all kinds of things you can use i remember when i was a kid we had an electric starter oh yeah that it was kind of u-shaped u-shaped coil coil yeah like
0: it was like an oven coil yeah
1: yeah, you stacked stuff on it and you plugged it in. And, you know, if you didn't blow a breaker in the backyard, then you were like, yeah, we're, we're going. going, you know. And then like two hours later, everything was kind of cooking. Yeah. My dad yeah. had that, too, <laughs> but, for his
0: Weber kettle. I just remember that as a kid. You just jostled that memory out. Yeah, it was, you know, probably yeah. a 12-inch wide, 12-inch long coil yep. and a and a black handle. A cord came off. And, yeah, you could plug that thing in the outside element. And and uh, the, how the lights inside the house dim a little bit and, you know. Yeah, flicker, flicker.
1: Yep. flicker. Yeah, do that flicker thing. But those worked pretty good, Yeah, uh, truthfully. But nowadays with those chimneys, you just put them in there. You put a little newspaper in the bottom of them if you want. Put the charcoal in there like the newspaper. Uh, I just keep it up on half the rack. Yeah, You know, because we got racks that flip over and stuff. I just keep it up there when it's starting. And then when it's ready, I just put it down in there and get going. Yeah. And you're good to go. And it works out really well. So,
0: yeah. I got another question There's for no you, brother. So another question. Like, yeah. you know, here in Portland, uh, you know, where you and I both live in this metro area, but thank God not in the middle of the metro area. We, I love going down to Ringside Grill and having a dry-aged steak every once in a while. What's your thought on yeah. the aging process with that and, uh, and that? I mean, it's a totally different taste, but to me, I like it. Some people don't.
1: Yeah, uh, I think aging for beef is a good thing. I think aging for me, not so much. <laughs> uh, and I and I have been dry for twenty years, but uh, you know, uh, stay liquid, my really, friend. <laughs> stay liquid, yeah, liquid sunshine. Exactly. Uh, um, I don't have a problem with that because you know when I grew up, um, we would buy a half or a quarter of beef, or if we raise this here, we, you know, a lot of that stuff was already cut and wrapped, Yeah, you know, the white paper and labeled and all that stuff. And you put it in the freezer, you go freezer diving and try to figure out what it is, uh, what it is, you know, all that stuff, find some clams in there from (laughs) 1964. Yeah. That's not going to work. But if you go to, some butcher shops, and there's still some that do this. They've still got a carcass in back in the back mm-hmm. in the in the cold room, as it will. And if you want some fresh t-bones or whatever you want, they'll go cut them for you. But that that carcass has maybe been yeah. hanging in there for a couple of weeks okay. or whatever their prescribed time sure. is. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it go bad because. You're, you're keeping those carcasses right above freezing, mm-hmm. okay? You don't want to get it up into the 40s. That will get the bacteria stuff going, and yep. then pretty soon you're going to lose, lose all or part of it. But it keeps it right down there so the bacteria doesn't grow, and it's very dry. There's no moisture in the mm-hmm. room. That's why you get that kind of almost black, hard exterior on some of those cuts. Yep. If they've Like if they've taken the rib out of the carcass, mm-hmm. And you'll see that black on both ends yeah. of it, um, you know, that they just kind of trim off yeah. more or less because it, it, that's that makes the meat a little tougher yeah. right there. But once you get inside that, it's wonderful. Yeah. But like, but also, like you said, Eric, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's got a very distinctive flavor that the. the the stuff you're buying at the grocery store whether it's in the the case where you know you pick out three steaks or what have you or the prepackaged stuff that stuff has not been in the box you might say for very long yeah they're not aging now yeah. they have to they have to go through and process so many head of steers every day to keep the supply chain going yeah And in pigs and chicken, it's worse. Yeah, that stuff's almost days,
0: right? Versus weeks to months. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it is days. It really is days. I mean, um, Will uh, from Painted Hills and I have talked about this a lot. They go in, they go through the processing plant, they hang them. Um, they do it to, to drain any excess fluids. Mm -hmm. By the way, folks, when you cut into a steak, that kind of pink, juicy stuff, that's not blood, (laughs) right. That's hemoglobin, you know, it adds to the flavor flavor machine. I've been known to pour that stuff on my baked potatoes and
0: nothing wrong with that. Great flavor. A little bread to soak it up. Yeah.
1: A little bread to soak it up. But from the time that steer is hung and cut up, put in a box uh along with his buddies to get to the grocery store that's maybe a week to 10 days yeah two weeks like that. And once they're vacuum packed in those big pieces, they're not really aging like dry. Aging, no, Cause all the, you know? all the
0: moisture is in there. So it doesn't really give it a chance yeah. to break down. I mean, that's kind of part of the right. whole theory of dry aging, right? Is that you're, you're changing the moisture content in the meat a little bit, but at the same time, right. the, the enzymes that are there are breaking down. Right. But when you right, put it that right. cold and, and seal it up, it's, it's kind of just in park.
1: Yeah. It's just, Kind of like your first wife, just never, you know, aged horribly. Or oh. uh, well, my second sorry, one. You can take <laughs> you can take that. You can take that out. Nope. That's a bad nope. joke. <laughs> but it's uh yeah, the the enzyme process like that, the breakdown process. Um and you know, in the old days. Yeah. When I say the old days, I'm talking in the eighteen hundreds to the nineteen twenties. Maybe in this country because we didn't have mass refrigeration, no. we didn't have a lot of that lot of ice. But when the yeah, if you went to a restaurant in New York in 1902 and you ordered a uh, a Delmonico as they called yep. it in that day, you know, or they ordered a strip or something, mm-hmm. um, a lot of that was just cut off the carcass in the back room, yeah, because they didn't have huge amounts of room for refrigeration. Yeah. So they had a dry room that was cold, that was, had big blocks of ice Mm -hmm. in it and sawdust on the floor, you know, and, and the the chef or whoever would go back there and, you know, Uh, cut out a primal, mm -hmm. um, and do that. And that's what they would be serving that night, or they would make, uh, stew out of, you know, the round steak or what, whatever they were doing, they had it, chilling itself in the back room. Yeah. And the special was it's what it's not the that special is what they had a lot of, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or what was left over yeah. after the weekend. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That so makes sense.
1: That's the that's the way it kind of worked. And it worked that way for for ranchers and farmers. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys had A cold room, a cellar, Mm -hmm. if you will. They had a veg cellar. Some of them had meat cellars. Mm -hmm. And again, they would get ice. If it was the wintertime in Wyoming, hell, you didn't need ice. No, you're trying to keep it warm. It was just cold. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, uh, they just go back and and take what they wanted. There's that famous scene in the Billy the Kid movies where it's supposedly at the end where he's going to get shot by Pat Garrett. He goes to get cut off a piece of beef, a steak, uh, you know, and Pauline is going to cook it Mm -hmm. for him. And that's one part. That's one little segment that seeing that they've kept consistent through most all the Billy the kid movies. But the point is you saw, you know, a quarter of a carcass or a half a carcass laying there and somebody was cutting off a piece. of Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's the way it works. Yeah, that makes sense. I get
0: it because back then it was a whole different time. That was a whole different time. Yeah. So another question for you, JT, before we run out of time here today, you know, what? Yeah. if someone's going to go out and go barbecue shopping, you know, you get the, you get the gas grill, you get the pellet grill, uh, you know, there's a, there's a huge local company here that started out local and now they're not local and they've got a pellet grill that goes around everywhere that you can buy in every, just about every home improvement store out there that you can see. That's a big name. Right. Uh, and then there's charcoal. What do you recommend for that beginning, you know? person that wants to jump into barbecue
1: i would say it depends on on again what you want to do if you just want something to be able to cook your food Mm -hmm. get a bit of that barbecue taste but do it quickly i would say go with a gas grill yep okay they sell more gas grills than they sell anything because people can come home fire up the gas grill go change their clothes come back you know, wrap up a potato and put it on there, go in and make their salad, do this. And then in a half hour, they go put their steak on and they're done. Kind of the same with a pellet grill. You have to be real cautious about the pellet grills because they'll say, well, we can get this pellet grill up to 700 degrees, basically inferring that they could sear something. And some of them even have little sear stations Mm -hmm. on them. I've cooked steaks on pellet grills, Mm -hmm. you know, I um, but it's never had quite the sizzle as it did either for gas or charcoal. Mm -hmm. But steak isn't the only thing I cook and steak isn't the only thing most people. Yeah. You know, you know, if you're going to do ribs or fish. So so here's the deal. If you want a bit of a more smoky flavor um, and uh, an ease of convenience, probably the pellet. grill. If you want a, a a quick turnaround, go with the gas grill. Those are just kind of, you know, blatant yeah. statements, but they are true. Yeah. If you really want to get into it, then look at the charcoal yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. And th- yeah. that's the problem I had with, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting ready to probably get my first pellet grill here one of these days. And uh, we can talk about that in a future episode. But um my thing when getting one was i wanted to get something that had an ability to be able if i wanted to throw a steak on it to to be able to get that temp and there's only a few of them out there that legitimately can kind of do that and right. it's only because they've got a, some kind of mechanism that will allow the heat from that firebox to get up into there otherwise you're not getting that bark on the outside of a steak it's kind of taste good but if you think you're getting a a, a crust on the outside of that you're probably mistaken
1: well, the process with a pellet grill, uh, and that that bark you're talking about is called the mailyard uh, reaction. Mm-hmm. It it takes a while. You know, when we cook ribs, for example, my friends that are competitors, they want the perfect bark on it. Mm-hmm. They want this. They want that. I don't compete. I don't care about that. Yeah. But it's I like my food when I bring it in to be pretty, yeah. so the people we're feeding are happy with it. It takes a long time or longer time on a a pellet grill to get that bark, as Mm -hmm. you're calling it. And I agree. Um, And that's but that's a that's a period of time. That's over a couple, three hours. Yeah. You know, to do a a rack of ribs properly, it's two and a half, three and a half hours because it's kind of a low and slow thing. But it will have a bark on it. Right. Um, You can't do that with a steak. Uh, You have to have that temperature above 500 degrees. Mm -hmm. I hate to say this, but a lot of the pellet companies, pellet grill companies that say, oh, yeah, you can do that. You have to be very careful with that, too. You I have found that this is my experience. Mm -hmm. I have to clean my pellet grills. I've got two of them. More frequently than I ever do my gas grill <laughs> or my charcoal grill, because you got drip pans, you get, you know, if you're, especially if you're cooking pork or chicken, there's a lot of grease on mm-hmm. it. And there are pans you can buy that had come with, with uh, screens in them. You can find those on Amazon. You can buy three of them, three different sizes for like 29 bucks, but they're great. Yeah. But most people don't want to take the time to go mess around and do that. But you can get fires, In pellet grills. Okay. In a charcoal grill, you get a fire, you shut off the vents, pull your protein off, close the lid. It'll go out eventually. With the pellet grill, you have to be careful because they have been known to go fire in the firebox, grease fire in the pan, and it goes up the auger and it smolders. Okay. It will smolder because your auger is about what? Two and a half, three feet long, yeah. something like that. And there's pellets in there all the yeah. time, and they will because I've cleaned them out and seen. God, these are already black. Yeah, you know they they've been charred. So you have to be a little more careful. Yeah, with the with that, and especially if you think you're going to get it up around 500, 550 You know, some of them are counting. This will go to seven hundred. Like I said, why? Why do you need that? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah. Why do you need that? Because you can you can get that bark on something. You know five, five
0: 50. Yeah. And you're not going to, you're not in, you're not trying to use your, your Traeger as a London broil machine here either. Right. I mean, you're not going to get that thing up to a thousand degrees. It's just wrong tool for the wrong job.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, if you want to say I can get it that hot. Okay, great. I don't need to see it. Yeah. Cause that's not, that's not what I'm going to use to, 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 to cook a steak, you got to remember, like in your kitchen, you're going to broil a steak, right? Yep. Now, there's a couple ways to do it. You can put it on a broiling pan. You can set the broil on high, mm-hmm. which is again, you know, five fifty to six hundred degrees, depending on your unit. Yep. Put them on there, season it, throw it in there. You know, six eight minutes later, you might want to flip it over, mm-hmm. put a little more seasoning on it, pop it back in the oven, and in about twelve minutes, you're done. Yeah, right, give or take. Depending on the cut of meat, how thick, and all that, or you can sear it in a cast iron skillet, put a little butter on it, throw the skillet guts, feathers, and all into the oven again at above around five hundred degrees, and let it sit there for just a few minutes. Depending on the recipe you're following, yep. and pull it out, and you've got a lovely steak. Yeah.
0: See, but you can't do that in a in a
1: pellet grill per se. Now, what
0: I do with my in the wintertime, especially when I, I don't want to be standing outside for a long time. Maybe it's, you know, 30 degrees right. and raining or something outside. I'll go out and start it up, get the get it, get it going. I'll get the barbecue really hot out there, get that grill going. I'll throw that tri-tip roast on there and just get some good yep. sear marks on it and and drop the temperature down and just let it catch some smoke. And then mm-hmm. I've got a cast iron pan that's sitting in the oven at about 425 I will take that throw it, put it on you know, put it on a, a plate, take it in there, drop it in that with a big pat of butter, and I finish it off in the oven, yeah, and yeah, makes for a killer steak, and that 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 uh cast iron pan is you know hyper seasoned, and it just you know you flop it over once in there to make sure you're good, and man, you've got all the ultimate control, and you still taste like you did something outside with it, but uh I'm not standing outside trying to to manage it in a parka, you know. You know, we just
1: had uh Harry Sue uh on. Harry's a big time champion, uh competitor, mm-hmm. barbecue competitor, very smart guy. Uh used to fly 747s for Singapore Airlines, cool. and he's got a really Renaissance man story. He finishes his some of his competition briskets off in the oven. Okay, I didn't know he did that. That's cool. Made perfect, perfect sense. And so it's uh, my show was about a week, 10 days Mm -hmm. ago. So, you know, if they want to hunt that down online, they can find it. But he tells how he does that. And, he you know, he puts it on the smoker. He gets it going. He gets the bark going. He does this. He uh, puts some butter in there, wraps it up, throws it in the oven to finish it off. But here I'm going to give you a a pro tip, Mm -hmm. buddy. Here's the deal. If you are ever uh cooking a brisket, mm-hmm. I learned this from Harry, and you're doing the low and slow thing. Yep. Well, if you've ever seen that, it makes puddles mm-hmm. in the top of the of the piece yep. of meat, at the top of the brisket. There's little puddles, and that's just fluid, but it settles, and right where those puddles are, you will not get the bark you Correct. want. Correct. Okay. Okay. What Harry does is he takes little like two or three little wood blocks and he puts them on the grill and he sets the brisket on it and it domes it ever oh, so slightly. It just makes a and curve. On it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got the bark all the way across. Perfect.
0: And if you got the right wood in there, if it gets a little charry, who cares? Right. You're just adding more flavor. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And you know, And I
1: wouldn't, I wouldn't like soak them in water for three weeks before you do that because you know people are like uh, it's steam coming off of there for the first half hour, 45 minutes until the wood actually starts to ignite. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, you don't particularly want that right in contact with your with your protein. But kind of dome that thing, it works out really good.
0: Yeah. I mean if if I'm cooking with with charcoal i'll take a handful of like cherry or pecan or whatever i want to do and i'll throw in some water for five or ten minutes and then throw it in there on the on the coals to get some smoke going but that's just a little handful and then i put my then i put my my meat on it is that a the right way to do that
1: actually the best way to do it is if you put the wood down first okay and then you put the charcoal on ah, top. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Then you do it that way. It changes the the flavor profile a little mm-hmm. bit. But the the one thing that you're talking about, and millions of people do it. I've done it. You put some damp or soaked cherry wood on it. The first I don't know, 20 minutes, an hour, that's all steam. Yeah. Coming out of there. That's not smoke, that's that's steam. Steam. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's going to affect the moisture in different things in your actual protein. So I think it's better to put it underneath. Yeah. You don't want a White uh, Castle burger, you,
0: right? You just.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. We're all good on that. So I, I would, I would do it that way. And then kind of, uh, you know, keep an eye on it as you're, as you're going through the cook. Yeah. But yeah, you, you know, if you're going to really try a brisket now, I don't want to get off in the weeds here. We'll do this on another show closer to summer. Sure. But, you know, if you buy a full brisket, what we call a packer, it's got a point and it's got this big muscle on the mm-hmm. one side of it and all that. You know, the pro guys will trim that okay. off that big muscle and cook it separately. Uh, you can buy uh, brisket flats, which right now I'm sure are going out the door because it's St. Patrick's day, but they're just squares, yeah. you know, basically like that. If you've never cooked a brisket before, I would suggest you start with one of those there you go. Be- because you've got, you know, on a regular brisket, you've got meat. That's, you know, an inch and a half, two inches thick and meat that's five to six inches thick
0: all in one piece of meat. Yeah, so that's all different cooking it's- times right there.
1: Yeah. And so you really got to know how to do that. We can another show. We can talk about the stall and all kinds of stuff if you're going to do the low and slow. Yeah. Thing. But I really think if you put if you put the the wood chips or whatever in um, the burn box first and put your charcoal over top yeah. of it, and that's designed for an offset. But if you're doing it in a Weber or whatever, you can do yeah. that. Yeah. I think you get a, a better result. Nice.
0: Nice yeah all right JG one last question before we go out of here I want to talk about barbecue nation for a minute what are some of your favorite guests you've had on this last year Uh, you've had some heavy hitters I know but who are some of the ones that you walked away going wow that was fun I think uh, I think Harry was a lot of fun Harry Sue Mm -hmm. of
1: course we always have meathead on there dot com oh yeah Chris Lilly, who's uh, from big Bob Gibson's down in Alabama They have that famous white barbecue sauce yep. there. I think he was good. We had Tuffy Stone on I there. Know. Uh, you know, we, we've had some some big... Big hairs. We had Chef Michael Simon uh, on there. God, he was a That's hoot.
0: right. You you went A-list there. Mm. That was.
1: Yeah. That's A-list. And Michael didn't care about FCC rules. Excellent. Or anything like that. Excellent. That <laughs> makes know. for
0: good podcasting, at least. Maybe not so good yeah, radio, yeah, but podcasting's
1: good. So <laughs> Well, it made David work a little harder on the uh, radio side, but the podcast was hilarious. to make hilarious. him work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, this next week, we've got uh, uh, Chef Steph from L.A. Nice. Is coming up. Um, Trying to think who else we've got. Uh we've got some pretty big ones. I I have been working on Emerald for a there while. You go. We'll get him eventually. Mr. Lagasse. Yeah. I like yeah. him a lot. Oh, and of course we always have Graham Kerr, the, the Galpin oh, yeah. boy, Legend. A couple times. Legend. Here. Legend and buddy and all that stuff. So yeah. yeah, we've had some, and of course, you know, Leanne is now in the Hall of Fame. Yep. And she's, she's my co-pilot on that thing. And so she is uh, no
0: joke on that cooking thing too. If you ever watched that, uh, that show with with Bobby Flay that she did and and took away the win on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was good.
0: She, she, she'll get right after it. She's little, but she's mighty. Oh yeah. Trust me. No question. No (laughs) question. And feisty. Oh yeah. (laughs) So if somebody wants to check out your show, where do they go? My
1: friend. Well, if they want to listen to it on terrestrial radio, you can listen to it in the Portland area. And then we're in, we're kind of in a lot of markets you're in, Milwaukee, uh, you know, uh, up there. Uh, All around, yeah. All around. We share a lot
0: of different places, no question. Yeah, we
1: do share a lot of. If you want to just listen to it online at your convenience, I would just go to wherever your favorite podcasts are like Apple or, mm-hmm. or one of those, you know, and we have, we're on Spotify and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. And just go barbecue nation, which mm-hmm. now is a trademark name for me. Congrats you know, by the way. Yeah. So you can just go barbecue nation or barbecue nation, JT and Leanne or just JT you, you'll find us.
0: Yeah. You're there.
1: Like that. And then we have the, you know, we converted like you have, we've converted the, the the radio show to a podcast and now we've got a youtube channel that they're starting to load up we have a lot of film that we haven't processed yet but we're getting to it we're trying to do two or three episodes a week and so it's just barbecue nation there and then don't forget about my lowly golf show out there oh i was just gonna mention that we talk about the food there too Yep. and grilling at the green so we, we've had some pretty big uh, sports writers and golfers and celebrities on there too so all yeah.
0: good absolutely man yeah. well thanks for coming on the show today brother i really appreciate it and yeah. uh, hopefully we got some people out there a little more education about uh starting to put some protein on the grill right yeah and don't forget about the painted hills discount Oh, yeah. Make sure if you're listening to the podcast, it'll be down in the show notes. I'll put it down there yeah. as well as uh, head over to uh, I'll have it on my website here as well. roundthehouseonline.com. You can check it there. And of course, it'll be on all of our social media. And uh, I think I'll be making a purchase here, too, because I need to fill that freezer back up. Um, just
1: do it. Put a smile on their face, a smile on your face. When you start to eat that meat, it's it's really good. That's it, all is. I can say. it, it is. Is. I'm really getting weird. hungry.
0: All right. Thanks, brother. I'm Eric G, and you've been listening to Around the House. Yes, you have. Anywhere beyond the me. Life is <laughs> a love song. Let's be lovers. We're all over the radio. Take my